Everybody thinks they know how to find the talent they need to succeed. And if you ask 10, 15, 20 different leaders, they will all give you a different philosophy about how they have found and kept the talent they need to meet their goals and objectives within their organization. And this episode isn't necessarily about the philosophy of finding talent because you can find that everywhere. But what I have come to understand is that there's a general landscape of talent that is changing rapidly and specifically for those in computer science, machine learning, analytics, and any related field to those. This is Caleb and you're listening to the Healthcare Analytics Podcast. With me is my teammate Tatsuya Murao. So let's get into it. What do we mean by talent landscape and what am I trying to explain? Well, in general, I'm trying to explain a new paradigm for finding talent that is outside of what people in the United States have typically thought about when it comes to talent. So I'll explain to you what the old paradigm is, and then I will show you what a potential new paradigm looks like for those in computer science, machine learning, analytics, etc. The old paradigm starts with this. You go to your HR manager and say, hey, I need somebody who has skill set in generally computer science and I need somebody who can program or use these different tools. Can you go out and find somebody? That HR person will say, oh, yeah, great, I can find somebody. And so they make a posting online and or go to the university or, or reach out to their various different pipelines that they have. And typically those pipelines are through a university system like a state university near you anybody else who knows somebody through their alma mater, etc. And in the system, then you will find somebody who has a four-year degree, who has the credentials you need, and has had extracurricular activities. And typically, if you're finding new talent, young talent, somebody who is in the age of like, let's say, 22 to 24, then they'll have experience, but not that much experience. If you're looking for somebody with more experience, then you will look at where they came from in in another company, what university they came to, what association they have with others, their network, etc. But that is typically how you find somebody in a traditional model. They usually come from a source that is vetted, that's trusted, and that everybody in your industry knows is a reliable source for finding talent. And if you ask most people, that's how they found their jobs. My first roles in analytics and for the companies that I worked for were in these methods that I had a four-year degree. I was able to use specific tools, namely Excel and some programming in order to attain a role that I wanted to attain. And then after that, it was about knowing that I had a four-year and then a master's degree and then having the pedigree and or ability to fulfill future roles. And that is a great way to test because what what you're saying is, is that because you have a check mark as a university degree, as well as other roles within other companies, then it's easier to, to understand and to compare yourself with others, right? So I can compare myself, my GPA, my performance in university, as well as the different roles that I have had across the board. And so it's easy for an HR manager to say, oh, yes, I'm comparing two people with a similar degree and similar roles in other companies. And now all we need to do is just bring them for an interview and then the hiring manager can then make that interview. So that is the traditional way of finding talent. And nobody argues with that method. 
So as an example, just last week, I received an email from one of my colleagues that asked, hey, we're looking for somebody with two years of experience from a computer science background and a four-year degree. And if you know anybody, please send them our way. And, and that's a very, very standard ask because those categories are easy and nice and neat to fit. I can then go and reach out to my friends or previous professors at the university and say, hey, do you know anybody who is competent in these skills, knows what they're doing, etc.? And they check off all the boxes. And nobody really thinks about any other way of hiring, especially in large organizations, because it's a true and tested model that everybody can rely on. There are ways to compare and metrics that you can use to make sure that you have the right talent in the right talent pool. But everybody's looking at that talent pool, right? I mean, everybody is looking for a person with a four-year degree from a university of a, of a certain caliber who meets their criteria. And so everybody's looking for that. That's where everybody is competing for talent. And so if you're somebody who needs something specific that is outside of the normal recommendations, where do you go, right? And what I'm talking about is suppose you need somebody who knows Python but has specific experience in an industry. And I have run into individuals who are doing unique things in their field and got there in very interesting ways. And I'm sure you have met people who have found themselves in interesting places because of the ways that they have learned different things. And so, for example, I knew somebody who was hired on to a quantitative investment firm or a group within their firm in order to make investments on a quantitative basis, meaning that all they did was write algorithms that helped them decide which assets to buy on the stock market or not. And he came from a Navy background. He was a programmer in the Navy for submarines. And so he would write programs that would help submarines wayfind through the ocean so that they wouldn't hit rocks or anything like that. And so he found himself in a situation where he was working in a $3 billion fund to make sure that they had the highest return on their investment. That kind of talent is very, very unique because you wouldn't have thought that an application in submarine warfare would apply to quantitative investments in the stock market, but it did and their fund has succeeded just because of the talent that they have acquired through interesting sources. I can go on and on about the different sources that you can use to attain talent, but I would like to give you two different models that people think about when it comes to talent. And I will relate this to sports because I know sports decently well and maybe some of you do too. And I will say the traditional model is like the NFL or National Football League here in the United States. What it is is that there are high schools that produce the best football players that you can find. And then those high schoolers will then go on to college and they will get a boatload of money, they will get free ride scholarships, etc., to go to the university of their choice. And those universities will keep them for four years, sometimes three, and train them and teach them how to be even better football players. And so after the high school and training in college, then they're ready for the NFL. And so the NFL then looks at all of the talent pool within the college system and picks out the best. So if a coach at, let's say, the Kansas City Chiefs 
is looking for a linebacker, well, they're going to look at LSU or any other schools that have trained good linebackers in the past, and they will rank them and rate them and then make a bid when it comes to the NFL draft. And so everybody knows the talent pool that they're looking at. They're looking at a specific talent pool where everybody comes through the same mechanisms in order to do so. Now, there are instances where football players come from outside of the university system, and sometimes they come from like the Canadian Football League or from Europe or whatever, but I will say that more than 80% of the football players come from a university of a certain standing that can prove that they have the expertise they need to be a football player in the NFL. Okay, everybody understands that, at least in the, in the United States, everybody understands how that system works because that is essentially how the system works when you're hiring talent in your organization. You have somebody in college who has a specific degree, who has specific credentials, and everybody else is looking at that specific person and saying, do you have what it takes in our organization? Do you have the talent, the ability, the skill set, the social skills, whatever it is, in our organization and everybody in your town or your city or even the United States is looking for that kind of talent. And so it's easy to compare, right? Because in the NFL, if you have five different linebackers you're looking at, you can look at tape from all of them and say, hey, this is what we're looking for in this position. And we think these three individuals are our best choice. Likewise, in the university, If you're a hiring manager, you can look at three individuals with the same degree and they have a certain level of GPA and all you're looking at is their extracurriculars or what makes them unique as a person. Okay, that's a traditional method, the NFL way of hiring talent. But I will tell you that in Europe, there's a different method of finding talent and I will call that the player development method. And the reason why is because In soccer within Europe, they're not using a university system to train all their talent and then competing for that talent. What they're doing is they're finding individuals or players by the age of five, six, or seven who could fit into their system. And I had a friend who was in the development team for Arsenal, and he was about 17, 18 years old. And he just signed a million-dollar contract with Arsenal to keep on their system and not get bought out by somebody else. And if you are not familiar with soccer and how development works in soccer, it's simply this. If you are a coach within your organization, then what you're looking for is you're looking for somebody who has been in your development program for a certain amount of time and can play a specific role like, let's say, a winger or a striker in the way that you want. And so if you are a talent scout, then you will look for, at the very, very beginning, you'll look for a five or six-year-old. And this is how Messi got picked, right? He was Argentinian, but our Barcelona found him and said, oh yeah, we want to develop this guy. And so they moved him from Argentina to Barcelona when he was very, very young to train in Barcelona from the time he was 13 years old. And since he was 13 years old, he trained with the Barcelona team at first in their development team and their, let's say, tier two or tier three team in order to develop the skills in order to get to the tier one team, which is the Barcelona that everybody knows who won a lot of games, etc. 
But in order to get there, they took a 13-year-old and turned him into an all-star. And through that development process, he trained and knew how to use the Barcelona system all the way up. What this did was it allowed Barcelona to build talent in the ways that they wanted. So different rules, like they always had rules of instead of doing long balls from one end of the field to the other, they would always make quick passes. All of those things added up to different skills within a player. So all that I'm saying is that the NFL system uses different institutions in order to make you rise from one to the other. So for example, the institution of high school, that is used in order to develop players to the point to where they can go to college. And then the institution of college is then used to filter out all those who are not going to make it to the NFL. And those who make it to the NFL are then in the NFL and then compete at the NFL. But in soccer, it's different. It's that you sign yourself to a specific team and then you develop yourself to a specific point until that team wants to then transfer you to another team or keep on developing you. And so these two systems are two ways that you can think about talent. The NFL way would be the traditional way we do it in the United States about looking for students in the university. But in computer science, what I am seeing is that there is a system that is developing that's like soccer. And like soccer, it's developing specific programs where you can develop talent from an early age all the way up. And this would be more of like your apprentice kind of system. And if you look at specific countries like Germany or Poland or whatever else, you become an apprentice. And then after you become an apprentice, then you can graduate from becoming an apprentice and then elevate yourself into a higher rank within your organization. And that's how BMW and other companies in Europe do their development or bring their talent up through the ranks. And so if you think about it in the United States, you can think about it this way, is that there are sources of talent that are outside the university. So for example, in Kansas City in the Midwest, there's this program called Launch Code, and they train up individuals so that they can have the entry-level skills to be able to work with an organization and work for an organization on an internship basis so that they become an intern after they've proven that they've meet the basic requirements. This allows a faster lead time because a program like Launch Code or any other program is a six, maybe year-long program that gives them the essential skills they need in specific tools and programming in order to meet the needs of the hiring manager. So the hiring manager doesn't really care if the individual has, let's say, psychology or classes in history or whatever else. That's what the university does. All that the hiring manager in this case looks for is not the pedigree of the university they came from, but if they meet specific skills. Can they program in Python? Can they build machine learning algorithms? Can they build models? Can they use these specific tools? And once they have mastery of those specific things, then they can have an internship in which they can prove their skills and then potentially come on board with that company. The university, on the other hand, is a four-year degree that has curriculum in everything, not just computer science, right? It has requirements for having a psychology degree, having an English degree, having a history degree, etc. And so two years out of that four is spent on your general education courses that are not really focused on the skills that you need. 
And that's the downfall of the university system, that it trains you to be very well-rounded, but maybe does not give you as a hiring manager the specific skills you need. So instead of learning history or psychology, you would have been better off if you hired somebody who had one or two years of experience more in machine learning or computer science, etc. But anybody coming out of university will only really have maybe two years at the best of training instead of three or four years. And so if you can use different systems like launch code or other development systems that have proven that they can train individuals at a high level, then it will be possible to hire them and and test their skills in the real workforce. There are other ways of finding talent too. And one is that there is a series of credentials and or certificates that you can acquire online or you can verify that those individuals have had those specific credentials. And as an example, Google has an entire course that's for free about machine learning. And so you can actually say, hey, do you have this certificate in machine learning from Google? Or do you have this specific certificate from Amazon or Microsoft? And each specific platform provides training for different credentials that you may need within your organization. Because the more and more skills you need, then the more refined you need them to be. So you may only need somebody who is specifically talented in a specific set of tools within Google Machine Learning or within AWS. And in a way, you can learn to train individuals and bring them up into the skill sets they need to be able to achieve your goals and objectives. The university may not have built in the curriculum in order to teach them specific things in analytics that they need to learn, but you as a hiring manager can build a system in which everybody on your team develops over time so that they can become all-stars that are world-class. And that's the goal is that sometimes you can find somebody who's world-class already at the age of 18 or 19 or 20 that comes from a university system, but more likely than not, it's easy to find individuals who are willing to learn and to grow and who want to continue their their learning process even while working. And so if you can encourage that and build the equivalent of a development system within your organization, then you will be a lot better off long-term than those who just take somebody from the university, plug them in, and then use them to the extent of their capabilities and don't invest the time into helping them grow and contribute to the organization at the highest level. And when you are looking for talent, keep in mind these two different models, the NFL model or the traditional hiring model, as well as a soccer or development model, and what fits you and your organization. In many cases, you want to keep with the traditional model, and especially if individuals are trained and comprehend that model very, very well. But if you're willing to take some risks and willing to develop your own way of training and teaching individuals, then the development model may work for for you and your organization. But there is also a third way for you to build the tools you need in analytics as well as acquiring the talent. And it looks something like this. You find a third party or short term team like us at Arcos Analytics who can then help you progress to a certain degree. And then in progressing to that degree, then the training and the development of your team can be done throughout that process. 
And so you can use a third party like Arcos Analytics to get you to where you need to be now and then train the individuals within your organization to maintain and to grow the technology stack that you have or want to maintain. And I have seen with the clients that we have worked with that this can be successful when it is stated up front that you as a leader say, hey, we need a short-term team to get us to this spot right here. And once we're here, then can you train our individuals to maintain and to grow it? And oftentimes it leads to outstanding success because you don't have an ongoing incurring cost from a third party, but they can help you build a bridge to where you need to go. And then you can have people maintain the bridge and or know how to build new bridges in the future. So that is all that I'm going to say about using third parties in order to achieve your goals in light of the talent that you have already. I will leave you with this one last story. A couple of years ago, I worked with a group who was a data science group. We would get together every Saturday and we would talk about different machine learning projects that we wanted to do for the city or for different organizations on a pro bono basis. We just wanted to, to do work that was fun and that we enjoyed and that may benefit others. And the leader of this group was an individual who ran a machine learning group within his organization in Kansas City. And this was no small organization. On a on a revenue basis, I would say that they had three to four billion dollars worth of revenue. And they were the company was sometimes in the Fortune 500 level or sometimes below that. But anyway, he ran the machine learning group within uh, that organization in Kansas City. And they were very, very well known for doing amazing work and delivering on interesting machine learning models that helped them predict things, that helped them make decisions, etc. And his degree was in biblical studies. He had a PhD in biblical studies uh, back in the 80s or 90s. And over time, learned machine learning and programming to a degree to where he used it at the executive level, meaning he managed his team at the very, very micro level and communicated exactly what they needed to do, which models to use, and what specific criteria they needed to be. And then he could take those and communicate those to the senior executives in his organization. And so he not only knew machine learning very, very well, but he could also communicate that within his organization at the highest level. And that was something that was very invaluable. And I didn't really have the time to talk to him about his conversations within his organization, but I did know that he knew his stuff because he led the group in a way that he knew what libraries to use for specific methods, etc. And he knew his stuff to say the least. Anyway, a couple months ago, I learned that he moved from an organization in, in Kansas City to an organization in Springfield, Missouri that is at the, the Fortune 500 level. And he was building out their machine learning group. And you would think, why would you need to learn build out a machine learning group? And the reason why is because in many cases, that is the way that they can make decisions on a short-term and long-term basis. And I would say that because of his capabilities, he would have a greater ability and greater influence than sometimes a CTO or a CFO because the future of analytics and machine learning and technology is one in which you want to predict what's going to happen in the future. And you want to build different models 
in a mathematical way that shows how you are likely to perform in the future because of current and previous results. All this to say is that he began his career with a degree with a PhD in biblical studies and then had to start from scratch and learn everything from the bottom up to the point to where 20 years later, he's at the top of an organization helping them understand how to use machine learning. And anybody who looks at his degree from a university would turn him away immediately because he did not have the pedigree or the degrees needed in order to fulfill his role. But if you looked at his experience and what he has done, then you would understand that this person is more than capable of leading in an organization that needs to elevate their skill set in machine learning. So if you are looking for somebody, you may find them in very unique places that you may not have thought you have found unique talent. But oftentimes, those locations are the ones where you can find somebody who is outstanding in their field because of their previous experience and their track record. Ultimately, all that I'm reminding you about is that you can find talent in very unique and interesting places. You can also form a methodology of acquiring and building talent that is not necessarily what everybody else has done in the past. In the future, you may learn that you are finding individuals who have different credentials and or different certificates, and those certificates actually prove that they know more than somebody who's coming from a university. Or you are finding third-party groups who know much more about computer science than anybody you can find within a university system or any related system to that. There are so many different aspects of talent to think about, but I hope that these few things can help broaden your perspective about sources of talent and the talent landscape that is ever so changing. And if you would like to know more about how we find talent or work with us to build out the analytics that you need in your organization, you can find us at LinkedIn by just searching Arcos Analytics on LinkedIn or at Twitter at Arcos Analytics. Or you can reach out to us personally. My email is Caleb at Arcos Analytics and Tatsuya's email is Todd, T-A-D, at Arcos Analytics. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>